Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, heart, and mind. So when I asked my friend Brittany Williams if she would be on our podcast, she said yes. And when I asked her what she wanted to talk about, she said empowerment, which is no surprise for an Enneagram 8. They are powerful people and they help the rest of us to um, find our power, to be more empowered. And I'm so thankful for the eights in my life because they have offered that to me and helped me to find my voice. And I just think you're really, really going to enjoy this episode with Brittany. She's going to be talking about being an Enneagram 8, a yoga teacher. She's going to talk to us and with us about types 8, 9, one and two and how they can be more empowered but also how they empower others. It's a really fun episode with a lot of laughter but also with a lot of wisdom. So thanks for joining us. All right, welcome Brittany to Enneagram Plus Yoga. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) So glad to have you. Um, Brittany Williams is a friend of mine. Like me, she is a yoga teacher and a marriage and family therapist, and so we have a lot in in common in that way, and I'm just glad to have you on our podcast. Me too. Yeah, actually, I remember I reached out to Christy when I saw we taught at the same place, and I saw she was a yoga teacher and an MFT, and I desperately was (laughs) looking to connect with people in Chattanooga, and I was like, hi, please let me take you to coffee. (laughs) I need someone here to... To connect to, so um, I'm so glad that I reached out and that you were open to connecting with me, and it's become such a beautiful relationship, so I'm very thankful yeah, for that. me too. I'm glad you reached out, so um, it's it's been fun to become friends because we do have a lot in common, and we also love the Enneagram, and that was yes. one of the things you put in the email is that, you know, I'm interested in the Enneagram, mm-hmm. and so... Um, so you are an Enneagram 8, and I'm wondering, like, as an Enneagram 8 living in the southern United States, that's got to be challenging sometimes. So tell me about, like, what that is like for you. Well, it was something that I think I've had to kind of come to terms with mm-hmm. because I get a lot of pushback, I think, but... Um, thankfully I was raised in a home where I was always taught to speak up for myself and to voice my opinions. And as I was kind of thinking about this over the last few days, I was raised in a Christian house where, you know, the implicit, explicit messages sometimes, not necessarily from my parents, but just from the community in general was that women's kind of purpose was to serve men and that we weren't really capable, didn't have the skill set, I think, Mm -hmm. to be leaders. Um, And it's like, you know, you can be in charge of children's church and the Christmas tea and then everything else is kind of up to the men. Mm -hmm. I remember my dad saying, women are just too emotional. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And which is hilarious coming from my dad, who is like a self-proclaimed crier and is a very emotional person, Mm -hmm. and, um, but also, we went to a church that women were pastors, they were able to pray over the congregation and lead worship, so it's kind of this, like, double-sided message that I was getting, and, um, I remember, too, my parents definitely put a high priority on my education, and I remember them 
kind of calling out their peers who would treat their sons differently from their daughters. And they would say, oh, they sent their sons to this school, but their daughter to this school because they didn't want to, you know, invest in her Mm -hmm. education. And they made it really clear that my education was just as important as all three of my brothers. And they found that to be, you know, an important investment. And so I think even though I got all these messages about women should be, and girls, you know, should be quiet, agreeable, um, seen and not heard, Mm -hmm. be the support role, not the leader. Um, Also got a lot of messages at home that my voice is valuable, that I should speak up. And um, so I think that that allowed me to really find my voice. And then I think, too, going to an all-girls school from middle school and high school, it kind of took away that feeling of, oh, I shouldn't speak up or feeling like I might be embarrassed about Mm -hmm. talking in front of people. We were really encouraged to raise our hand, to contribute to conversation, and that I I didn't really realize that until I went to college, and I was like the only girl in the classroom raising my hand and having conversations with the professor, and uh, it was was like, oh, I guess that I did kind of develop this skill over time because, you know, in high school, it was like everybody was – contributing to the conversation and so um I think that thankfully even though sometimes I did internalize those messages of be quiet you're too much you know your voice doesn't matter thankfully I had these kind of places in my life that really did support that eight within me of Mm -hmm. of wanting to speak up so Mm -hmm. but and then I think too it's helped me to realize the people who really love me and care about me are the ones who love that about me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you don't like that about me, if you want to tamper me down, then, you know, you're, I'm not for you. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. I love that, that you embrace that as a strength of yours, that you're unapologetic about it, that you know that that's like one of your superpowers. I do know, though from working with um, women who are eight, that um, people who don't appreciate that side of them um, can be very intimidated by it. And and I remember having a boss, and this was actually like 20 years ago, and there was another Enneagram eight who was a woman, and we were working under him. And he was just very antagonistic to, to her because mm-hmm. he liked power and he could not handle hers and because mm-hmm. she was just as equally powerful and smart as he was. And it was really hard for me to watch that. Like, And luckily, I was introduced to the Enneagram over 20 years ago, so we already knew our numbers. And like, mm-hmm. we were aware, like, this is part of why this is happening. And, um, but I've seen that happen in the South, and, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's, it's tough. So, um, yeah. yeah. And you saying that, it kind of reminds me of my my first career before I went back to school to become a therapist. I worked in public public relations and communications, and a lot of our clients, we had clients that were national brands and things, and mm-hmm. had to work with a lot of older men who mm-hmm. did not always 
uh, respond Mm -hmm. that well to my um, just kind of boldness and bluntness. Mm -hmm. It was, I think, unexpected for them. And it left me a lot of times feeling really disrespected and unheard, which I've realize is a big thing for me needing to feel like seen and understood and so I think that kind of led to a lot of my dissatisfaction in that career because Mm -hmm. it just felt like okay and I had a wonderful boss who really would put me in these um, positions to work directly with the client and to um, cause he did value what I had to say in my knowledge and opinion. And then the client would just be not as receptive to it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was a good experience and kind of eventually led me to where I am today. I still use a lot of those skills that I learned at that time, but yeah, it reminds me a lot of that. Cause I was like mm-hmm. a 23, 24 year old girl who was just like, no, that's wrong. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Which sometimes I'm like, okay, I've learned too to kind of tone it down a little bit sometimes. And yeah. Because I think I, especially if I'm not in a healthy place or when I was younger and had less maturity, I can definitely be a bulldozer mm-hmm. and overpower mm-hmm. as compensation for feeling like walking into the room as a young woman mm-hmm. um, and just feeling like, oh, well, they're not going to respect me, like coming in with that idea in my head. Mm-hmm. And so, well, let me show them mm-hmm. how tough Turn I am. Turn it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, that I've, you know, as I've matured, I have been able to really um, harness that probably insecurity is certainly what it is and immaturity. Yeah. We all have them, Mm -hmm. you know, like for me, I'm a one and angry. I get louder. Mm -hmm. I get to overcompensate for feeling a fear, feeling insecurity. So let me show you, you think you're loud. I'm going to step it up and Mm -hmm. the tone's going to elevate. So we all have those. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question about yoga. So I know you're a great yoga teacher, and can you give our listeners an idea, and you teach in Chattanooga, so can you give us some descriptions of your yoga class and how uh, those descriptions maybe would fit in with some of the characteristics of Enneagram 8? Yeah, so I've been teaching yoga for nine years now, Mm -hmm. and it's funny as I think about my teaching journey I I did ballet growing up and so all the way through I was like 15 when I quit Um, but getting to the point where I was doing like three or four classes a week and it was my whole life for a while and then um, when I first started practicing yoga I was living in Nashville and my roommate was just like you gotta come try this you gotta come try this and I was like that sounds horrible. No, I don't want to go stand in a hundred something heated room. And, but then, I mean, the first class, I just immediately fell in love with it because it brought back so many of those feelings of ballet for me Mm -hmm. and how structured it is. Mm -hmm. And what I realize now is how much mindfulness I learned in ballet Mm -hmm. of just being in the moment, whether you're in class or you're performing and noticing our bodies and having to really pay attention to how your body is moving through the world. Mm -hmm. And so it 
really resonated with me immediately. And so I just got straight into it. And within a year of practicing, I signed up for teacher training with a teacher who I really loved. Um, and so at first, this is, the aid in me was like, I'm going to become a yoga teacher so I can fix everybody's practice because they're looking so crazy. And what are they even doing? Like, mm-mm, like that is, they're doing this wrong. And I, let me just come in. I can teach them how to do it. And then as I grew in my practice and my teaching practice, it kind of went from that, like, teach, like, that fixing to the empowerment mm-hmm. part of it mm-hmm. and, like, realizing how strong I felt and how grounded I could feel in the practice mm-hmm. and this balance of... There are ways that we can pay attention to our body and move our body that do help us feel strong and empowered. Because I, if you've been to my class, I love cueing and I love focusing on making like little adjustments Mm -hmm. that really help us get into the pose and find strength in the pose. I'm not one to just like, I call it like crash test dummy yoga, like Mm -hmm. where, you know, I just think about like the crash test dummies hitting the wall and they're like flinging Mm -hmm. and it's like let me get to the next pose the next one the next Mm -hmm. one um and so my personal practice and teaching practice is so much about like the space between the poses and then once you get there really finding your grounding and your strength within it and like exploring like what happens if I just like lift one of my toes off the ground Mm -hmm. and like press down a little bit more through this part of my foot like it becomes that granular for Mm me um and that doesn't resonate with every student and that's totally fine Mm -hmm. but the teachers who really resonated with me were the ones who really dug into it Mm -hmm. rather than kind of skimmed over and so I think for me, sharing that knowledge that I really began cultivating as a little kid through ballet Mm -hmm. of this attention to the body and movement and then sharing that with others while also like giving them the permission to do what they need and know that like my Mm -hmm. body is different from your body, from your neighbor's body and sometimes the most empowering place you can be is child's pose and sometimes it's a handstand Mm -hmm. and either one of those is good with me as long as you're listening to your body and you're practicing safely and so I really work try to work from that empowered piece of me empowering Mm -hmm. the student um, to be able like to have enough information to make the choice for themselves Mm -hmm. So giving them that knowledge and wisdom and really bringing it out because I believe that we have it within ourselves, but we all need kind of like guides to help us dig it out. And sometimes I like to say like, I feel like sometimes people are trying to read the Iliad, but they don't know their ABCs yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, like, Let's learn our ABCs and then, like, our basic vocab, CJ and run, and, like, we'll get there eventually. But let me impart some of this, like, the language around this inner wisdom that you have already 
so that you can go on your own journey to uncover it. Um, because that's what my teachers really did for me, um, is kind of plucked that out. And so I, you know, hope to be able to do that for my students. Yeah, that's great. It's a lot of a five approach to mm-hmm. when you talk about getting granular and really knowledgeable and really um, diving deep. That's a lot of fiveness to me in the way you teach, which I love. Mm-hmm. Very grounded. And I, and I do think, you know, with the arrows, we can go either way. And the five is yeah. one of your arrows. Right. And even though traditionally it's like an arrow mm-hmm. of stress for the eight, it also, I think, can be, you can go both directions. Mm-hmm. It can be your strength, too. Yep. And so when you're allowing students to get grounded, mm-hmm. that's using, you know, that arrow of the five in a really positive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there are definitely times that I can be really pedantic. And I, in my head, I'm like, Brittany, shut up. Just stop talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you're cueing this pose to death or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes I do have to let go of that um, that granular knowledge in mm-hmm. the moment and just allow, hand it over. Like, hey, student, I trust you yeah. to do what you need to do yeah. with the information that we you, you have. Yeah. And we're, I'm just never going to be able to give you every single piece of information I have about triangle pose in this yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. So... Whatever I've said is enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I have to check myself sometimes and be like, what? That's really <laughs> good insight. And I think probably down the road we'll do like a whole episode on the talking styles of each number. Mm-hmm. But the, the eight is known to be as a directive type talking style. And let me like be directive, tell you what to do. And like you said, maybe mm-hmm. you notice that sometimes you do too much of that. And for me as the two, it's like help and advice. And so sometimes, you know, I can offer too much teaching, too much advice in a class. Like, and so to notice that is self-awareness on our part. And I think that's, that's really wise that you kind of notice that and pull back a little bit in your mm-hmm. classes. That's beautiful. And I think one of the greatest gifts, my teacher who I did teacher training with, Jonna Smith, she's amazing. She and, did like 200 hours. Oh, I think I knew that. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, I don't know if she did this with y'all, but she would always, it was always an invitation, and it was always, for today, maybe try. Mm -hmm. And I love that language because it gives us permission that we can try something on today, and we don't have to do it for Mm -hmm. the rest of our yoga practice if it doesn't feel right. right. But it invites us to, like try something different and change the way we're practicing, get out of our box a little bit, and then know, too, that it's not permanent. It's, like, just for today. See what happens. And then it might be a light bulb might click on, or maybe you hate that and you never come back to it again. But she always used that that language, and I have incorporated that into my own Mm -hmm. teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. Like, just for today, try cat cows on your forearms or Mm -hmm. something like that so that you're giving them permission to try things in different ways. And if somebody has wrist issues, they might go, oh, my gosh, that changes everything for cat cow, you know? Mm -hmm. So... Okay, so um, we're going to have some fun today. We do not know one another's answers at Mm -hmm. all, and we're going to talk about empowerment because I asked Brittany, what would you like to talk about? And she said, as an eight, of course, empowerment. We interviewed um, Anthony Prince um, earlier 
or actually last year, and he was telling us about some training he did at a studio in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember the name of it, but the title had empowerment in it, and it was run by an eight. Mm -hmm. And I was like, of course mm -hmm. it was run by an eight, but, and of course you wanted to talk about empowerment because eights are very empowered. So we're going to mm -hmm. talk about each number on the Enneagram and how they could be more empowered and how they empower others. Um, and so since you're an eight, let's start with an yeah. eight. Is that okay it. for Perfect. everybody? Let's just like do it. And we don't know one another's answers, so this will be fun. So uh, let's start with you, Brittany, as the eight. How could, or how does, um, how could the eight be more empowered? Let's start there. Um, I think eights can be more empowered by, okay, so when y'all did the interview with Jessica mm -hmm. Jolly, yeah. and um, when she told the story about going into class and the teacher saying, like, I know you're strong, I just started bawling. I was like, because <gasps> oh. I was just like, oh, that, I felt that mm -hmm. so deeply of that mm -hmm. need to, like, present my strength to everyone and mm -hmm. for it to be seen and acknowledged, mm -hmm. and so I think allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and to be held mm -hmm. and to be supported um, rather than having to display our strength constantly mm -hmm. is a really empowering thing. And then I think the other thing is being able to because sometimes if we're in this unhealthy place, kind of cut off from that emotion, except anger. Mm -hmm. So I think allowing, like, all the emotions to be present, um, the vast array of them, um, and welcoming it all is, it, and it kind of goes hand in hand with that. Like, sure. it doesn't just have to be strong anger. Mm -hmm. It can be softness, mm -hmm. sadness, mm -hmm. loneliness. Mm -hmm joy, contentment, all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really funny because for mine of how eights could be more empowered, um, I put vulnerability, but I also wrote down one of my favorite quotes by Rumi. And he said, like, there is a sacredness in tears. They are not a mark of weakness, but of power. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that, like you said, when the eight can integrate all the emotions, not just anger, but really get down to things that they feel like are more weakness that are lurking underneath the anger, including sadness, but not limited to sadness. Um, I think that that is when the eight finds their true power, mm -hmm. when they can get in touch with the sad feelings and really have a good cry, you know, mm -hmm. and feel things. And so... That was my answer. What about you, Kat? I want to echo Brittany. So my thought on the eight was, you know, the notion that just because somebody's strong doesn't mean that they don't have the need, the basic human need to be taken care of too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or lay that burden down. So I think an eight would be empowered by allowing somebody else to take care of them. Mm -hmm. and maybe be an underdog and be supportive in that way or just say or somebody saying let me carry that for you let me hold that weight for you so you don't have to I know you can mm -hmm. but so you don't have to all the time so that would be that would be my yeah. opinion I like that um also the definition from the Oxford Dictionary of power or empower is to make someone stronger, especially in controlling their life and claiming their rights. 
And then one definition of psychological empowerment is a type of emotional intelligence that involves the ability to influence the environment around you for the benefit of all. And that could be through communication skills, developing rapport, empathy in so many ways. But I liked both of those definitions mm -hmm. and I wanted to share that. Like, because as we're talking about like empowerment or being empowered, that helps, I think, mm -hmm. for listeners to think about that definition. Okay, so how... Does the eight empower others? Like, how does the eight help the rest of us, Brittany? I think that um, allowing other people to show up with whatever they come with. So, like, I was thinking about in my yoga class. I really try to encourage people, like, however you showed up today is good it's welcome like mm -hmm. all feelings are welcome um all you know energy levels whatever it is and empowering them to be just as they are and mm -hmm. be with themselves and I think sometimes in like especially yoga class or even therapy it's like all right let's um you know take a deep breath Let's zone out. Let's think of three things we're grateful for. And then all of your bad emotions are just going to be gone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, it can get into this kind of like toxic positivity sort of lane that is like, I was thinking if, if I was a superhero, my arch nemesis would be toxic positivity. Um, the and, good vibes only. Mm -hmm. Right. Because yeah. it's only vibes that are out there. Just right. the good ones. And if they're no goods, then... Uh. Right. Exactly. And so um, I think when I'm in a good place as an A, I really want to share with people whatever you came in with, mm -hmm. it's welcome here. And there's no need to show up, you know, take, you can take your mask off. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel safe to do that, no worries. Like, maybe you just think about what it might be like. Yeah. And that's enough for today. Or, mm -hmm. or maybe you, you don't go there at all and that's okay too. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, I'm just offering the invitation. And just maybe planting the seed again. Sure. Um, so I think that's how, yeah, the eights can empower. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, I wrote that they help the rest of us to have hard conversations because, mm -hmm. like I mentioned, that friend of mine when I was in my 20s, he was an eight. And to my knowledge, that was the first eight that I'd ever had in my life. And um, I was, I think, 24 when I met her, and, and she really helped me to find my voice. And I, re I can remember being so impressed at how articulate she was, at how she knew herself, at how she spoke up, and she was direct. And I wasn't like that. I was quiet, and I was meek, and I didn't have my voice. And she encouraged me to speak up about some things that, you know, in the workplace that didn't feel safe to me. And, like, she helped me to find my voice. And mm -hmm. I'm really, really appreciative of eights in my life because I can tend to be the type of person who um, can lose my voice in order to accommodate others and make people happy. And I, I do have that want-to-be-liked part of my personality that um, can make me get small. Kind of like nines and twos can, mm -hmm. can both have that. 
And uh, so I, I need eight friends. So I thank you for being an eight friend in my life. Um, it's a gift. You're welcome. Well, and even what you said, like, eights allowing people to have difficult conversations, saying, like, you're allowed to feel mad in yoga mm -hmm. is, like, kind of a controversial thing to say. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And so I think, you know, you're – mine was kind of a granular, and yours, what you said is the overarching principle of that. Of yeah. We're, yeah, and allowing you – your eight allowed you to say – what you needed to say and it was welcome you know mm -hmm. it's like whatever I have to say here is is okay and welcome mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah love that well I think out of all the numbers eights are the ones who truly lead by example so I think they can empower our others by teaching them how to be strong and not just telling them how to by showing how to mm -hmm. so not just talking the talk but walking the walk and whether you're lacking strength physically they can, you know, usually, you know, if you are practicing yoga or working out with an eight, they will show you how to build that strength. Mm -hmm. If it's emotionally, they will show you how to build an emotional strength and being able to persevere. If it's, a, you know, an issue that is a social justice issue and, you know, you're sitting there thinking, oh, I wish I could make a difference. They will show you how to make a difference. So to me that, you know how they show up in their lives with their strength mm -hmm. is actually very empowering to others who are maybe missing that piece. Not not because they don't want to, but they don't know how. Mm -hmm. So just by watching innate how they do it could be very empowering for mm -hmm. others, in my opinion. I love yeah. that. I love that. Well, let's look at our nine friends. So okay. um, how could they be more empowered? Kat, you want to start this one? Yes. Yeah, so... You know, they can be more empowered by just asserting their presence in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of the three energy, just, mm -hmm. you know, taking up the space, mm -hmm. not just wanting to. And, um, you know, truly believing that the presence matters, what they have to say matters, their needs matter, their mm -hmm. wants matter. I think nines could really feel more empowered if they can embrace that energy. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I... Totally agree. I think they could learn a lot from the three and the eight. So you yeah. mentioned the three, and yeah. I, I think like they, they can learn a lot from the eight and learning to speak up and have a voice and the three going for their dreams and like showing up in the world in a bigger way, whether that is through their voice like an eight or that is through, you know, whatever they do. Mm -hmm. I just think that they could learn a lot from the three and the eight, um, especially to just show up in a bigger way. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I think that, um, like, paying attention to their feelings, like, the nine tendencies to kind of numb out. Mm -hmm. And I think really noticing what they're feeling and then eventually being able to act on that emotion and sensation of, like, oh, I, this is not a comfortable space for me. Let me advocate for myself. Um, rather than, I remember one of my, um, teachers in college or grad school, um, would talk about the nines kind of being this like boulder that was like immovable. Mm -hmm. And I think, but also if you think of a boulder, it's like, you can't, it, it doesn't feel anything. Like it's just this kind of like rock that has no sensation to it, you know, I yeah. guess like cold and like unfeeling yeah and so I think 
letting go of that and taking on more of the um, noticing the emotions because then that's maybe what could drive the um, action. The action, yeah. Especially noticing anger, all emotions, mm-hmm. but especially their anger because yeah. they do tend to push down that that feeling more than any. So yeah, well said. So on the flip side, Kat, if you want to yeah. start us out with how they empower others. Well, so I started thinking about that and the first thing that came to mind, we live in such a polarized environment right now. Mm-hmm. Not only um, I don't tolerate different opinion, if you have a different opinion, that means you're an enemy. Mm-hmm. And a nine would definitely show others and empower ours to be able to not only accept somebody else's difference, but able to be at peace with that and be accepting of that. So it's not my way or the highway or not not my way or, you know, you're either with me or against me. It's we all can get along having different political beliefs, having different cultural difference, having different, you know, racial backgrounds, whatever you want to frame it as. So that, to me, an empowerment of a nine for every number, and especially in today's environment, because it is such a scary time for me for that reason alone, Mm -hmm. that it is, you, you know, if you think differently or say differently, not only, you know, you're not my friend, you are my enemy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, um, my dad died um, during the pandemic, and I feel emotional talking about him right now, but um, <laughs> he, um, I speculate that he was a nine. And um, he, he was uh, just one of those people that, was really well liked like in high school he was the class president and when he died I had so many of his college friends reach out to say oh gosh he was one of the kindest people I ever met but um my dad and I had different political beliefs Mm -hmm. um we didn't always see eye to eye but I always felt respected like Mm -hmm. he always saw me and he would say well I can see it from that perspective like he wasn't like rigid mm-hmm. in his political mm-hmm. beliefs and now we have so much polarization yeah. and so much rigidity we need like that nine energy you yeah. know I think of that song from the 90s let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me like yeah. we have got to let it begin with us mm-hmm. like we've got to be more like the nines in our life Tolerance. especially when it comes to politics mm-hmm. because we do not have all the answers mm-hmm. like we just don't mm-hmm. so um I don't know if he was a nine, but, like, that's what I think. And I do think for anybody who has a deceased loved one, if you really are into the Enneagram, I also think it can be really healing to think about what their personality might have been. It's helped me to understand him better. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to offer that for anybody who's Mm -hmm. had somebody who's no longer here. Yeah, you can't say, I know they were this, but just kind of imagining, huh, yeah, it's really helped me to understand, oh, he went to a six in stress, and oh, yeah, when he was really healthy, he was more like a three, and um, I can't tell you how much that's helped me to understand my dad, to mm-hmm. think about that, but anyways, if he was a nine, um, it makes a lot of sense, because there was a lot of, there was a lot of honoring others mm-hmm. that existed in him, yeah. and we need more of that, and that's going to create a more empowered world, so 
your go. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that with yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and I'm a wing nine. So, mm-hmm. and I, yeah. there are a lot of nines in my life who I feel like super connected to and safe with. And I, I love imagery. And I, like I said earlier about like how nines can be empowered, like this image of them as a boulder. I think of a healthy nine as this image of like an oak tree mm-hmm. and having like these roots that really spread out like far and wide mm-hmm. and that kind of keep them grounded. And then you have this like strong trunk that um, is not rigid because, you know, like we say in yoga, like we bend so we don't break. Like even if you can't see it, like when the wind comes, you know, there's a little bit of movement and give to this tree so Mm -hmm. that it doesn't snap off every time a storm comes along and then I imagine like you know it grows out and you know these branches and leaves to provide shade and protection you know from sun and storm like not just for itself but for everybody else and can be this kind of safe gathering place Mm -hmm. so um that was kind of how I was thinking of a nine being really empowering to others of just being this like strong steady like giving um flexible kind of protection mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. um of you know just come sit here mm-hmm. like and do what you need mm-hmm. and um I know that's what a lot of nines are for me and how too sometimes when I'm in my like nine wing I I feel that mm-hmm. um, or that's what I like to imagine mm-hmm. I love that all right so now we're moving on to one our uh, reformer and uh, perfectionist so I think the way a one type can empower others is by really showing people and teaching people how to get organized And that's my, you know, organization is my love language. Marie Kondo is my spirit animal. But, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, in terms of, you know, and I'm not saying everything in your life, but I think we live such a high-paced life where everything can get out of control really fast and we're just kind of bouncing around. So whether you need to organize your finances or whether you need to organize your home or whether you need to organize your nutrition or just organize your day schedule, I think a one could really empower mm-hmm. um, others to do that. You know, I always think, you know, like when I retire, what would I do? And I have this pie in the sky dream that I would just teach parents how to organize their children's nutrition. So you don't feed your child shit. And you don't have to break bank and it does not have to be, you know, I'm up to midnight chopping that I can teach parents how to still live your life and still not have to take a second mortgage for your grocery bill and provide your children nutritional meals. Like I need your help. Right? No, seriously. Let's do it. it. But honestly, because if you can just get organized, you can do it. Mm. And that, I think, is the the way one can empower others. Yeah. I think as far as empowering others, I think a one 
is so good at um, being a justice seeker. Like so many of the ones that I've known, like have really wanted to create change in the world. And um, that's why they're called the reformer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I just commend them for that. So I want to say, I love that about my ones. Well, I literally wrote down, help us navigate red tape. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that like, all right, this is how we do it. Methodical. Yes. And I need that. Mm -hmm. And when I'm in high stress in my life, and that is like the first thing to go for Mm -hmm. me. And so I think ones, having those ones to help us navigate through the black and white Mm -hmm. and the rule book. And Mm -hmm. because sometimes we do get better results Mm -hmm. when we follow the rules. Not always, Mm -hmm. but sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What about the opposite? Like, how could ones be more empowered? I think ones can be more empowered by embracing the fun side of life. Mm-hmm. And I think ones would feel more welcoming to the rest of the world if they just don't take themselves so mm-hmm. seriously and life so seriously and just be a little more fun, relaxed, easygoing. Yeah. I think that, and then they can just conquer the world. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have this story about a somebody that I suspect was a one. And this mm-hmm. happened like 20 years ago. But this is like an example of how they could be more empowered. I think a lot of times, and I say this knowing this about myself, because I have a one wing, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I did, and I've said this many times on our podcast that I had somebody say to me once, Christy, you're shitting all over yourself. <laughs> yeah. And I do have a lot of should. So I think when the one eliminates the should yeah. from their vocabulary, they yeah. do a lot better. But here's my story. So like 20 years ago, I was talking to this guy who um, I think he is a one. He may not be, but my car was on you know, while we were talking and he said, you know, it would really help the, the environment <laughs> if you turn off your car while we're talking. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's like, you know, that's a little bit of a one thing of like, you should, you know, and, and if they could model like their love for the environment or whatever it is without correcting other people, without shutting other people, I think like that people would embrace the yeah. ones mm-hmm. more in our world. Like I think that so, so often, um, that we, we have with our one wing or with our one, this like should that other people can feel even if we don't say it. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that's something that like, I think anybody has a one wing or is a one, just kind of think about that, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes me think of one of my clients back when I worked um, in a college setting I've always, she was definitely a one. I always thought of her as a crusader. Mm-hmm. She, loved her to death she was an amazing amazing person and we were kind of untangling some of the shoulds Mm -hmm. from her life and um she had a really difficult situation going on and I just remember her almost feeling more anger toward herself for even feeling angry about the situation Mm -hmm. because she you know I shouldn't feel anger around this Mm -hmm. um I shouldn't have these emotions Mm -hmm. I should be just able to fix it handle Mm -hmm. it you know Mm -hmm. and so I think when I think about her I think about um letting go of that Mm self-criticism and leaning into her anger that um, about, you know, what was going on outside of herself rather than the anger around I should be Mm -hmm. X, Y, Z. So yeah, I think, um, 
kind of leaning out from that self-criticism and leaning more into um, their emotions and allowing themselves to forget the shoulds, let Mm -hmm. go of the shoulds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love that. Okay, so for our two, our giver or our helper, Brittany, I'll let you start this one out. What did you have as far as how they can um, maybe empower, how they do empower others? Okay, so... Um, I think that twos can teach us about really healthy inter- in interdependence. So not mm-hmm. codependence, but mm-hmm. interdependence where when we are connected to one another, um, we can really take greater risks because we have this kind of secure base to come back to. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about you, Christy, who oh. have been so encouraging of me in my career. And I'm like, Christine believes that I can do it, like, mm-hmm. that I can do it, you know, Jesus. it's like, and I know, like, when I, when I mess up, because I know I'm going to make some mistakes, like, I can just be like, you know, I screwed this up, and you'll be like, that's okay, mm-hmm. you know, you got this, mm-hmm. and having that kind of secure relationship and, and that interdependence of you being in my life makes me feel like I can do more rather than I can do it all on my own. You know, I have to be independent, mm. um, really strengthens, mm-hmm. you know, our relationships strengthen us rather than I think we get anytime someone hears the word dependency, mm-hmm. we kind of relate it to that codependency, but mm-hmm. that interdependence is, yeah. is so mm-hmm. healthy and necessary. Yeah. So. Like kind of like, I think, not just the twos, but, you know, the sixes as well. Like, uh, I am because we are versus, yeah. like, I've got this on my own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Any thoughts on, on the two and how they empower others? So I think twos empower others by teaching us how to have compassion and empathy. Mm-hmm. And, again, going back into the life that we're living, the time that we're living it, I think we are just so like numb to crazy things that are going on with our life because there's just so many of them and they're so frequent whether it's mass shootings whether it's wars where there's you know people are being mistreated we kind of like go on the high of a shocker of it but then it's dropped because there's a new shock that is coming Mm -hmm. so we are like holy shit yeah that's messed up And then back to things as, you know, business as usual. Feel, you know, the craziness of life. And then be compassionate Mm -hmm. about it towards somebody for real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not just like, whoa, yeah, that messed up. And then we're moving on. Mm -hmm. Truly be, exercise the compassion and empathy. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be on a global level, whether it's a small, you know, to your neighbor, to your coworker, to your friend, to somebody who just comes to your class, but truly be about it. Yeah. To me, that's the superpower of it, too, and they can really empower mm-hmm. people to do that, especially yeah. in today's environment again. I think so, too. I I think empathy, I think encouragement, so what, yeah. you, what you two just said, yeah. totally agree. So on the flip side of that, like... How could they be more empowered? How could Tuse be a little bit more empowered? Any, you want to start, Brittany? 
Well, I think the obvious answer is like put your own mask on before anybody else's. And um, I think that, you know, I think about all my friends who are moms and watching them. um, I I feel like my generation, I'm 35, and um, our our parents were really like martyrs. Like, Mm -hmm. look at all that I'm doing for you. I have no, my whole world is you. And we kind of saw how like damaging that was Mm -hmm. and I'm so proud of all my girlfriends who are such wonderful parents because they also like take care of themselves and know that they are worthy of you know love and care and all that too and it makes them better friends partners parents all that so um just really being able to take care of yourself and knowing that in the end it will still kind of meet your goal of being able to take care of others better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. you'll be a better mom wife mm-hmm. whatever if you're taking care of yourself mm-hmm. so my answer was very similar to yours I when I was kind of journaling about this I wrote down that we empower others too much and don't empower ourselves mm-hmm. um the same thing can be said for what you said about self-care like we just like don't, you know, we neglect our own needs and our own self-care, but we take care of others. And I think we, we have to work on that as too. So mm-hmm. empowering ourselves as much as we empower others, taking care of ourselves as much as we take care of others. Um, and I, and I think that like, this is how the Enneagram can help you to grow. Like I have self-care on my calendar every day now. And I usually get it, you know, whereas there was a time in my life where, oh, skip that, I'll do it tomorrow. Like, I get that self-care time in now, and I'm better, you know, as a therapist and in Mm -hmm. all the places in my life because of that instead of being, Mm -hmm. like, this running martyr. And that can be a real thing for it, too, a real problem is being a martyr. So, your thoughts, Kat? I mean, I'd say feel empowered by saying no more. Yeah. And that's a boundary piece well and be be okay with saying no. Just yeah. say I I'm I'm at capacity. It's yeah. it's a respectful no or no thank you or however it too needs to say that no, you know, for me like nope, I'm good. And yeah. and and I'm very comfortable in that space. Yeah. But for two, you know, don't become somebody else. Yeah know how to say a no, learn how to say no in your language in a way that you're comfortable with, but say no. And stay in strong in that no, and you'll be, you'll feel more powerful in that way. More empowered. And I think that's something you're good at, Kat. Oh, girl, no issue. Nope. (laughs) Nope. I'm still working on that. I I am here for you with my no in this. Hey guys, after this word from our sponsor, please stay tuned for our meditation, which is offered by Brittany Williams. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. For our meditation today, I'll be incorporating 
a reading from Journey to the Heart by Melody Beattie. So wherever you are, find a way to get connected to your body. Maybe it's by finding an easy seat, taking a deep breath, maybe placing one hand to your heart, one hand to the belly, feeling the natural rhythms of your heartbeat and your breath. Whenever you find yourself drifting away, losing touch with yourself, jumping from the present moment to some far off point in the future, get back in your body. Instinctively, when we become afraid or find ourselves in a painful situation, we may leave our bodies temporarily. We may shut down, move our consciousness out, abandon or ignore ourselves. Sometimes it's natural to go numb, to just go through the motions until things calm down. It's easier than feeling. But shutting down our bodies and emotions, disappearing as a way of life, won't get us to where we're going, into the heart. Living with an open heart means we stay present for ourselves and feel as much as we can, as much as we need to. We feel the feelings that come our way. You are safe now. You know how to own your power. You know how to lovingly care for and nurture yourself. You know how to trust God and the universe to help you. You know you can trust yourself. You are safe now. Safe enough to feel. Deliberately, consciously, come back to your body. Feel your feet, your arms, your head, your legs. Most importantly, feel your heart. Listen to it beat. You are powerful now and powerfully connected to yourself. Get back in your body. Come back to life. Take a last deep breath in. Let it go. Thank you so much for joining me for this moment of mindfulness today. Namaste.